Welcome back, everyone. This is the Giants Among Men podcast. I'm Scott Ishii. Brian is in an undisclosed location somewhere in the mountains, churning his own butter and making jams from assorted berries. By the time you're listening to this, draft day will be upon us, and we'll soon know who the Giants are taking in the first round and if Dave Gettleman manages to make a pick at all. I'm kidding, of course, and I'm going to open with some thoughts on this supposedly unusual draft. I have to admit, it's kind of lost on me why everyone is making such a big deal out of the draft and how it has to be conducted. I guess from a television production standpoint, you're not going to have the backdrop and the crowd and the stage and the podium and all that. But isn't every draft more or less done remotely? Like, most teams draft from their team facility, or at least that's where the decision makers are, and then they call a team representative at the draft who reports in with the league, and then the league notifies the rest of the teams who the pick is, and then Goodell just announces it. So if anything, it would seem like this is actually making the process more efficient, no? I also wasn't so sure why everyone was so worried about Zoom or whatever video conferencing the NFL is going to use, because like I said, all teams have used phones in the past. You can see the old corded phones on desks in the draft room on TV, and you always see the pick getting a call from the owner or the GM in the green room. So if something goes wrong with the video chat, just like in real life, if it's important enough, I'll just call the person I'm talking to if the video freezes. And they're definitely going to be flexible if they have to be with time or if somebody has a technical issue. This isn't like your fantasy draft where if Gettleman's internet goes out, the system is just going to auto-draft us a kicker. Or like if Zach Taylor's kids bust in for help with their remote learning math homework, the Bengals will somehow not end up with Joe Burrow. There may be a glitch. It could end up being funny enough to become an internet meme, but I doubt anything's going to happen that's going to end up being really consequential from a football perspective. Some of the concern is about checking in with scouts or position coaches if You know, a guy's taken last minute, and then a team kind of has to scramble for their pick, which has happened to the Giants in the past under Jerry Reese. Uh, But I still feel like the conference calls are a reasonable backup for something like that, and I just feel like in 2020, we shouldn't really have too many issues with something like this. Now, as far as who the Giants will take, I think there are five realistic options at this point and two possible wild cards. The realistic options are the top four offensive tackles who are Tristan Wirfs of Iowa, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Jedrick Wills of Alabama, and Makai Becton of Louisville. The fifth realistic possibility is Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, and the two wild cards are defensive tackle Derek Brown out of Auburn, and of course Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback. I'll dispense with the wild cards quickly. Derek Brown would be insane, and the only reason he's even being mentioned is Gettleman's love of defensive tackles and his absurd arrogance. But even then, I doubt we pick him. The Herbert thing, my first reaction was it was such a nakedly stupid attempt to drive up trade interest in the Giants pick that it would actually backfire somehow. But then I heard Dan Duggan of The Athletic say this morning that there was a rumor that this could have come from Detroit to try and drive up interest in their pick by sowing doubt in teams that if the Giants actually are crazy enough to take Herbert, then you better try and jump them and get to Detroit's number three pick. But I think both of those guys are very unlikely, even for the Giants and Gettleman. Speaking of trades, right before I was going to record this, I started to see on Twitter that the Dolphins are looking to jump the Giants to take an offensive tackle, to which I say fine. There are four good ones, so go ahead and give up assets to try and take one. But 
Um, you know, maybe I'll get into that tomorrow, tomorrow or Friday after you know we kind of see uh, how that plays out. Now on to the possible or even likely pick that isn't an offensive tackle, Isaiah Simmons. I think his official position is linebacker, but he's really kind of a hybrid player, a linebacker, safety, slot, corner, which is why he'll potentially be the fourth overall pick in the draft, because he can do so many things. Uh, I'm not going to do an in-depth analysis of these guys because I haven't grinded the film. What I'm really trying to do is follow the breadcrumbs of various reports and free agent signings and non-signings that could give us some clues about what the Giants are thinking. And the case for Simmons, I think, is this. We drafted Dexter Lawrence in the first round last year, traded for and tagged Leonard Williams to fortify the defensive line, drafted DeAndre Baker, drafted Corey Ballantyne and Sam Beal, traded for Peppers, and signed Bradbury to a big deal to shore up the secondary. It would seem that Simmons is the missing piece. Our most glaring defensive hole is at edge pass rusher, but I saw James Light tweet a DM he received from a college coach who said that Matt Patricia once told him he relies on linebackers to do the defense's primary pass rushers instead of defensive linemen because there are more six foot two, 240 pound guys that can generate pressure than six three, 275 pound guys on the planet. Considering both Joe Judge and Patrick Graham come from the Belichick coaching tree, just like Patricia, it wouldn't be that big of a surprise to find out that they think the same way as the Kyler Fackrell signing would uh, suggest. You could also reason that the Giants signing Levine Toilolo, the 6'8", 270-pound tight end who spent last season with the Niners, is like picking up a tackle who can actually line up on either side of the formation and even pull across it. So that kind of supports or fortifies the offensive line or at least the blocking schemes enough that we can take a tackle later in the draft and take a talented player like Simmons with the fourth pick. I want to add another thing about Simmons being classified as a linebacker. I just don't buy into the thinking that the Giants need a linebacker because it's been so long since we've had a good one. Not that it would be a bad thing to have a good linebacker, and there's the history and all that within the franchise, but inside linebackers in the NFL are kind of like running backs now. It's not that the position isn't important, it's very important, and like Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley, it's really nice when you have a good running back, but plenty of teams get by with pretty good backs or a versatile stable of backs. And when you think about it, we won the Super Bowl in 2011 with Michael Boley, Jonathan Goff, I'm sorry, Jonathan Goff, Mark Herzlick, Greg Jones, Clint Sintum, and Chase Blackburn, who, by the way, picked off Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So I think it's important for us to have a good defense overall, but I don't think we need to target linebackers specifically to make that happen. And now the offensive tackles. I'm just going to rattle off a summary of each guy kind of as I see it. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is a guy whose name I've seen the most for the longest. He's had He had a very athletic performance at the Combine, played at Iowa for Kirk Ferentz, who has a rep for developing NFL offensive linemen. Also, Kirk's son Brian coached in New England with Judge, so there's a connection there. Uh, there's been some talk that Wirfs may be more, uh, uh, more suited to play guard, but I also read he, he could step in at right tackle right away and develop into a left tackle. So maybe he has the versatility that the Giants covet, or maybe he's just a guard. 
Gendrick Wills probably has the lowest floor and still has a pretty high ceiling. The rub on him is that he was a right tackle in college, so he'll likely be a right tackle in the pros. That doesn't mean he could never move over to left tackle, and a lot of that might depend on Mark Colombo. But if worst case scenario is he turns out to be a dominant right tackle, that's still a pretty solid pick. I know I just talked about the Ferenc connection with Judge, but I think the Saban-Judge connection isn't as much of a thing as people make it out to be. Yes, Judge worked for Saban, but so do a lot of coaches. Alabama has like 50 guys on their staff, and a lot of guys in this league work for Saban at one point or another, including Jason Garrett. And of course, Saban once famously worked for Belichick, so I'm not sure why people think the Judge-Saban connection is so much stronger or would be such a selling point, but I don't think that's going to end up being much of a factor. Andrew Thomas from Georgia did Georgia did play left tackle in college and is supposed to be solid. Uh, a little more buzz around him as the draft gets closer. I think he's supposed to be the best actual pass blocker in this draft of the tackles. Um, he's pretty similar to Wills, just not because they're both SEC guys. And uh, finally, Mekhi Becton of Louisville. He may have the highest ceiling of all four guys because of his size and athleticism, but sometimes too much size can become a liability with injuries and staying in shape. Becton also has a rep for not being totally locked in, and he failed a drug test at the Combine, which shouldn't be disqualifying, especially because we don't even know what he tested positive for. But it's also a bonehead move to fail a drug test that you know is coming. So, I mean, that doesn't really show that well. Uh, I saw someone say his worst case scenario could be Eric Flowers, which I have to admit has spooked me and I just can't shake it. Uh, but man, he seems talented. So uh, I really think the Giants could end up taking any of the tackles or Simmons. Gun to my head, I think the order of likelihood goes... Wills, Thomas, Wirfs, Simmons, Becton. I'm okay with any of them, to be honest. It is disappointing that none of the tackles is a surefire Orlando Pace or Jonathan Ogden type of guy, but it doesn't mean they aren't quality players. Again, that 2011 Super Bowl team had Will Beatty and David Deal at left tackle, an aging Kareem McKenzie on the right, and you know, those lines were great, but they didn't have one guy who was like, again, Orlando Pace or something like that. So you don't necessarily need one of those guys to put together a really solid offensive line if you have the right guys. Uh, I'm pretty certain we're taking a tackle over Simmons. I think it's pretty obvious that the Giants wanted to bring in Jason Garrett to facilitate his comeback story or even have him step in for Judge if things go bad, which I'll have a lot to say about in the future. But my point is, I think the team is invested enough in him that they're going to give him the tools he needs to have the offense succeed, and more so than Jones, to, to tell you the truth. Uh, it just makes sense that when the last two top picks were a running back and a quarterback, you'd want to take a tackle in a draft that has good tackles. Also, I think it's clear that Colombo came with Garrett as sort of a package deal. So, I, you know, again, I think even more than Judge or Daniel Jones, Garrett is who Gettleman and Mara will want to hook up with some talent. Okay, uh, longest pot of the week, and that's all for today. Tonight should be interesting, and I'll be back tomorrow with some thoughts on how everything played out.